You are listening to Email Friday on this April the 8th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're taking a look at a couple of emails that came to us today. One is entitled, Study Suggests by Re- Why Religious Marriages Are Less Likely to End in Divorce. Here's what the first paragraph says. Religious marriages are slightly less likely to end in divorce because religion tends to motivate less cohabitation, a known risk factor for divorce. A new research brief from the Institute of Family Studies suggests. Now, I find that real interesting in light of another email that I received about two sisters who were murdered Saturday uh, near St. Louis. And there is great grief on the part of the family. There are no words, it says, to convey the immense loss of two of the kindest, most humble, and loving daughters, a family spokesperson said. A family's trying to grasp, it says, the immense loss after two sisters were shot and killed. Now, you wonder, is the article going to give any indication? And it sure does. Police said the shooter was one of the women's ex-boyfriends. Loved ones say the sisters, Jessica and Jamie, were kind, humble, and caring. Well, not if she was living with her boyfriend. What, are you saying that it was her fault? We're studying on Wednesdays Proverbs, and that's all about Solomon's view of the world. And if there's anything we're learning from Proverbs, it's the whole idea that negative things against God's will results in negative consequences. The sheriff's office says that the women who were killed, one of them was living with her boyfriend, and she tried to break up with him. Her sister had come from Los Angeles to help her move out. There was apparently a separation in place uh, between the two, her boyfriend, and she had notified him that she was going to be moving. What's wrong with young people today? When, When you're living with another person, outside of marriage, you are giving them the impression that you are their property. And therefore, for you to think that you're just going to be able to move out and there's not going to be repercussions, wow. In fact, the individual who shot the two sisters had a car chase away from the police and pointed his gun in the direction of a state trooper 
and he was shot. He was taken to the hospital where he later died. Police say a large caliber gun was found with him, likely used to murder the two sisters and also a dog inside the home. Now, why would he kill the dog? Well, when when you're living with someone and there's no marriage contract, then that person who's living with you is going to expect obedience. And if you're not obeying, well, guess what? There can be some real problems. In fact, the individual who murdered the two sisters had two orders of protection, including stalking in the past. Now, these cases were eventually dismissed. One of the persons who was writing the article says, when a partner indicates that there's been a past order of protection against them or past violence in a previous relationship, that is a red flag. Oh, oh, really? And we know they say that with a firearm in the house, it's a greater risk of a murder taking place. Now, they talk about these lovely, loving girls always put family first. Do not the world understand yet that to put family first really means to put Jesus first? And if Jesus isn't first and you begin living with another person, expect negative consequences. No doubt about it. So this article indicates that religious marriages are less likely to end in divorce, and I would say also in violence, simply because religion tends to motivate less cohabitation, which is a known risk factor for divorce. The um, study, which takes data from more than 53,000 women ages 15 to 49 from the National Survey of Family Growth, shows how age at the time of marriage is also a factor. And depending on when marriage happens for a woman, the impact of religion on divorce can have no effect. Without controls for age at marriage, or an indicator for premarital cohabitation, women with a religious upbringing do have slightly lower level likelihoods of divorce. Now, did we need a survey to know that? No. All we needed was God's word. In fact, the annual divorce rate among married women with a non-religious upbringing is around 5%. It's 4.5% for religious women. While the difference is clearest 
among Catholic and mainline Protestant women, it was less clear for evangelical Protestant women. Overall, if we control it said for basic socioeconomic background and a woman's educational career trajectory, the typical marriage of a woman with a religious upbringing is about 10% less likely to end in divorce within the first 15 years of marriage than the typical marriage of a woman with a non-religious upbringing. Researchers stated that when women go from being single directly into a marriage, they tend to have lower divorce rates than women with the same religious background, but they have been cohabitating. This was especially true for religious women who married before age 25. However, the estimates for women marrying after 30 were seen as less reliable because researchers only observed women until age 44 in some data. Women who married past age 30 had fewer years of marriage included in the analysis, but particularly for youthful marriages before age 20 or in the early 20s, cohabitating before marriage appears to be a major risk factor for divorce. Now, who do we blame? Well, we blame the two people, obviously, who are cohabitating because they're going against God's law. We blame them for living in sin and then we're surprised when negative consequences occur. All you need to do is take a look at some of the police stories on YouTube that are of real situations with people cohabitating and women are being beat up and they are being told by husbands things that are really bad. And guess what? The women won't do anything about it. They refuse to press charges uh, against these husbands when they are beaten up. And the fact of the matter is, is they'll often not tell their own parents because of embarrassment. So there's, in the article, there are three possible explanations why they say cohabitation is a real problem. First of all, religion induces people to make lemons out of lemonade. It might give people institutional or community support, or it might positively alter the quality of romantic pairings. Talk to any pastor who's been around a congregation for years, and he will tell you that many of the counseling sessions are with individuals who are having trouble in their marriage. And it's not at all unusual to realize that they cohabitated ahead of time. 
there's great jealousy there because if that cohabitation occurred and they were living together, well, she's already cheating, cheating on God. And therefore, why would he expect her to be faithful to him? She's not. And therefore, when she tries to leave and he thinks, no, that's not possible, there's going to be negative repercussions. Also, religion contributes to marriage stability because it changes the experience of marriage and may change who women marry. So that was one of the articles I was looking at and the uh, video came on about it. Religion also alters the potential spouse to which women are exposed. If you're living in a church community, religious women may be able to access a larger and more marriage-friendly pool of potential spouses. Well, we're seeing this a lot in colleges where many women are just fooling around with guys at parties, etc., and then they wonder why there are negative consequences. Also, re researchers noted that religion might alter the dynamics between partners in important ways. Religious women look for spouses who share values, beliefs, or practices that are important for union stability. Sharing these values does reduce the potential for conflict down the road. This is really a problem that we have in our society, especially with the various immorality that many people are living in because they no longer believe in God's holy word. That is scripture. Now, who do I blame? I blame also the churches that have members who are living together apart from marriage. Churches tend to really have a problem in bringing discipline to such individuals. When I had my congregation for almost 30 years, there were at least six cases where we brought discipline to individuals who were living together apart from marriage. In fact, three of them resulted in excommunication because they refused to repent of that. They, they were under the impression that God's moral law is just his opinion and is not the way he set things up. It's kind of like, well, you get on some drugs, you're in an apartment building, you're on the third floor, and you think you're able to fly, so you jump out the window, and guess what? Gravity takes over. God has a law that doesn't allow us to fly, not on our own. And that's the same with any of our sins.
there can be consequences of our sin. These consequences are not necessarily punishments. For example, in John chapter 9, there was a man who was born blind. Well, guess what? That wasn't due to his sin or his parents' sin, Jesus said. It was so that the glory of God could be shown. And I'm sure if you meet him in heaven, he won't mind at all that during the time he was on earth and he was blind, just like that lame man was blind for, uh, I'm sorry, was unable to walk for 40 years until the apostles healed him. And the Bible says 5,000 people came to faith in hearing the word of the apostles. So the church really needs to be more active in seeking out discipline on members who are living unrepentant lives. Now, when I say unrepentant lives, they're arguing with God. No, we love each other. Well, that, that's true, they think. But the word love has different meanings in the Bible. And in Proverbs chapter 7, it, it talks about the love that men think they have with a woman on street corners. But the word for love there that's used in the Hebrew is the word for loving an idol. That's not loving God properly. It's not true love. It's carnal love. It's fleshly love. And, and therefore, the church needs to be about the business in sharing what true love is. If there are young women who think that they can live with their boyfriends apart from marriage, that is not a loving action in the sight of God. And one does not want to blame their death on their sinfulness, but it sure was a contributing factor. Why would a man want to get married when he has all the luxury of being married without any of the responsibility, without any of the necessity to really take care of his wife, who's not his wife, but just in an unmarried relationship? This is what surprises me, is that how many times do we hear how wonderful these people are after they have been living an immoral life and people just don't get it. They don't get that this is a consequence a lot of times of their immorality. God doesn't fool around. We, we saw what happened when fornication was at its height. If you recall, Moses was on Mount Sinai for some time. They made a golden calf and were immoral in their lifestyle. And when Moses returned, many of them were swallowed up by the earth. 
Why did God do that? He did that, according to the New Testament, as an example for all of us. Now, there's nobody, including me, who doesn't sin. But the difference is we recognize that sin, we repent of that sin, and we attempt to stop that sin. Are we able to do that all the time? Of course not, because we have an old Adam within us. And so it's important that we watch our behavior. In fact, if there's anything that we're learning from the book of Proverbs, is God has set up a system in the universe, not only in the scientific realm, but also in the morality realm, so that when we go against God's morality, we do get negative consequences. Just go and visit a jail to see how many people are in there due to the crimes that they did. Now, when they were doing that crime, they weren't thinking about prison. One of the uh, YouTube's programs talk about the worst prisons uh, in the country, in the world. And people in the prison will say, if I knew that this was in store for me, I never would have done what I did wrong. So I deserve this prison, but it's really terrible what I'm going through. Yeah, there are prisons where there's no air conditioning, where the food is terrible, where people are locked up in their cells for 23 out of 24 hours a day. And then when they're let out for an hour a day, they're put in isolation if they want to do some exercise in a fenced-in area or something like that, but they don't even get to be talking with other prisoners. That's what happens when we go against the laws of the land. Because the laws of the land are often the laws of God. Now, sometimes, as we saw yesterday, when we were talking about in Finland, that this pastor and this woman who spoke in support of marriage only between a man and a woman, they were prosecuted by an attorney. And the case they won, not the attorneys, but the two of them, because of freedom of religion in Finland. And so the prosecution talked about maybe retrying them, but we don't think he's going to get anywhere because there are just too many religions. You don't even have to be Christian, but Muslims and Jews, etc., believe proper marriage is between a man and a woman not a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And that's why the suicide rates are high for gay marriages and other such things. And it's not at all unusual to read in the newspaper how divorces are occurring again and again in that situation. So this is something the church has to be really making clear 
that the laws of God are not something that we can make our own opinions on and decide against the law of God and imagine that nothing negative is going to happen. How many times do we hear people saying, I don't understand why this happened, and yet there are circumstances within the story that shows how immorality was a real part, and we mean unrepentant immorality, and therefore, why are they surprised that such things are happening? Yes, it's the fault of the church, for sure. It's not always the fault of parents, because parents really try and help out their children learn what the Word of God says in these areas. The problem is, is that the children get involved with people their own age, and they go to parties or other things where they're in real problems. So we pray for them, and the pastor and the elders are to work with them and see that they return to the Word of God. It's really a problem of law and gospel. So, thanks for the emails that are being sent in to alert us to these problems in the world. And on our next Law and Gospel, Monday, we'll be taking a look at Bible passages for Holy Week and examine them from a Law and Gospel perspective, because it makes all the difference in how you understand God's holy word because it is holy because it's from God himself I'm Tom Baker thanks so much for listening join us for the next broadcast till then God bless you Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.